Hey, I'm excited to be sharing today. You know, when we think about questions, kids are the best question askers, aren't they? Like, kids just love to ask questions. And so I think about the questions we have in this series, who, what, when, where, why. I think about when my son Landon was just a little, little guy. Whenever the doorbell rang, somebody in the house, you know, Brynn or somebody, who's at the door? Who's at the door? And Landon would always tell us, bad guy, bad guy, he's a bad guy. Like, didn't matter who it was, UPS, pizza delivery, everybody's a bad guy. Um, Brynn, right, my daughter right here, when she was like two, three years old, she just loved to ask, what? What is that, Dad? What's that, Mom? What, what is that? And then, of course, when you tell them, they repeat that which they just learned for all of eternity, right? And so we're at this place where Brynn learned the word flower. Now, she... Lost her Italian New York accent, but somehow when she was a little kid, it was flower, 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 everything. And so we were at this uh, vacation spot, and there was, no joke, a thousand, two thousand flowers all over the grounds. And so Brynn, the entire week, was flower, 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 everywhere you could look, there was a flower. I think about the question, when, right? Kids are notorious for asking this, especially on road trips. When are we going to get there? Dad, Mom, when are we going to get there? Now, my dad was smart. I will teach this to you, parents. This is for free today. Uh, Here is the response you always give your kids. You could be driving to Florida. You could be driving to Nassau County. The answer is always in about an hour. That was my dad's response. No matter what we were doing or where we were going, he always said, we'll get there in about an hour. He knew that would shut us up because he never gave us a straight answer. I think about the the question, where? Where is more a question for people my age and older? Like, where am I? Um, Where are my glasses? Where are my keys? They're usually in the ignition or on our head, right? I'm starting to struggle with some of this. And especially the question, why? Why did I come in here? This happened to me. About an hour ago, I just walked into the hallway on a mission, and I looked around, and I said, why am I here? I have no clue what I came out here to do. It's scary, isn't it? But here in this series, we're asking these questions. And the questions go like this. Who are we here to reach? What are we here to do? When and where are we going to do it? And why do we do what we do? At week one, we looked at who. Who are we here to reach? And we saw everybody, every age, every race, every stage of life, and every stage of faith. And we saw some encouragement that when Jesus came to reach His followers, the people he called, were a bit of a mess. In fact, let me remind you of some of their characteristics of the 12 disciples that Jesus originally chose. Fearful, rough around the edges, insensitive, unfaithful. One was known as the no-name. Another was known as the lesser, a criminal, a liar. Lowest of the low, the religious, the doubter, and the pessimist. Man, what a blessing. Because I'm on that list. So are you. So are your unsaved loved ones. And Jesus came to reach him. And so we want to be in on that. Week two, we looked at uh, when and, uh, no, I'm sorry, we looked at what we're here to do. We looked at, okay, what, what's the whole point, right? What are we here to do? And we said, so we're here to help people center their lives around Jesus. And the gift of salvation is the starting point. We start with that gift, but then there are steps we can take to help center our lives around Jesus a little bit more, right? Does anybody remember the bad acronym? Go ahead, yell it out. All right, good. Luke's learn, experience, worship, connect, serve. These are five steps we can take to help center our lives around Jesus and help others do it as well. Last or two weeks ago, when we were together, we saw the answer to when and where. When and where are we going to help people center their lives around Jesus? Yes, here on Sundays, community groups, youth group, all that great stuff. But we also want to be very much tuned in to God so that he can lead, lead us anytime and anywhere. Anytime and anywhere. God, you go ahead, you nudge me anytime and anywhere. You have permission to interrupt me and intrude. Did anybody get any intrusions in the last few weeks that you think maybe God sent? All right, cool. Good, good, good. It happened to me. 
There were a few times in the last few weeks since I preached that message where a situation showed up, and I had a great plan, and this is what I was going to get done this afternoon, and, and here came a person into my life that I didn't expect. And I had to like smirk a little and go, okay, I just told my church on Sunday that we should expect this and invite the intrusions that God brings in. And now I'm not going to live this out. And so I kind of smirked and then felt, all right, there's the purpose for this intrusion. There's a purpose for this interruption of my week. There's a person here to love. There's someone here to serve. There's someone here to point to Christ. And so I pray that we're more and more in on all of that. But today we answer the question, why? Why do we do what we do? Why is such an important question? Why is huge? Because why helps us get buy-in. It helps us understand. It helps us relate to a need. I'll give you an example. I take my dog out to the bathroom. I do not understand why he has to sniff 75 places before he finally goes. Does this drive anyone else crazy besides me? Can you just please raise your hand? Because I need to know I'm not alone. All right, good. About half the crowd is driven crazy by this. Last night, it was 10 degrees out with a wind chill feels like of 70,000 below, okay? And my dog is going back and forth between these two places. I don't relate, I don't understand, and it makes me insane, okay? I, when I have to go to the bathroom badly, I don't run back and forth between the two bathrooms in my house trying to figure out the best spot, okay? I can't relate. But can I tell you something today? This is going to be great. God's going to do something in our hearts toward our pets today, okay? There is a reason why they do it, and why is huge. Read this with me. This is from rover.com. No joke, okay? It says this. We check each other's status updates online, and hey, many of our pets have their own Instagram accounts. How many of your pets have an Instagram account? Just don't be. Yes, all right, several of us. Good. Listen to this. But for dogs, it's all about smells. Elimination, that is poop and pee, is one of our dog's most nuanced and effective methods of communication. That's why fire hydrants are so popular. They're like the busy Facebook group of the dog world. Your dog's chosen potty spot sends other dogs a message about where she's been and what she's been doing. When she sniffs around for a long time, she's reading messages from other animals. These messages can tell your dog, this is crazy, how many other dogs are in the immediate area, whether a particular dog is a friend or an enemy, what he or she had for lunch, and when they were there last in the area. That's incredible. Now, I can't say that I felt great knowing this last night when I was still freezing, but I can say it helped. I understood why. I wasn't looking at my dog going, why are you being so annoying right now? I was saying, oh, right, communicating. Okay, got to find that spot. Got to make sure everybody's safe and figure out friend, foe, all that good stuff. I knew a why, and it changed how I acted. There was buy-in. There was understanding. And today, I want to talk about why we do what we do. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I think today could be huge for you. I'm absolutely thrilled if this is your first time in church or you're coming back to church or you're watching online for the first time because you're going to learn so much about who Jesus is today and how he wants to impact your life. So one of the things that I usually do before I come out on stage on a day like today is I just turn the heat off backstage because I might pass out right now. But with everything that happened, with all the moving of the scheduling and everything, I didn't do that. So I'm just going to take a quick poll. If anyone here thinks the heat should go off, just raise your hands. If everyone is comfortable, I'm just going to leave it, and then you can guys can do my funeral this afternoon, okay? But all right, we're just going to leave it then. It was nice knowing y'all. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? Why do we, at any time and any place, 
why do we, with all people wanting to help center their lives around Jesus, why do we do what we do? Why are we here on a Sunday? Why do we stream? Why do we have a grocery outreach? Why are we doing men's ministry, women's ministry? Why do we care about kids and youth and nursery? Why do we do all this stuff? Why do we worship? Why do we talk about Jesus? Let me say that again. Why do we talk about Jesus? Why am I saying it that way? Because a lot of people right now are talking about religion. A lot of people right now are talking about spirituality. That's a huge word right now. I'm very spiritual. Why Jesus? Why not just spiritual? Why not just religious? Why not just get a group of us together and we'll do fun things? Why Jesus? Why do we want people to help? Why do we want to help center their lives around him specifically? That's what we're going to look at here today. And so Jesus had a season where he was in a spiritual battle in the desert. He was tempted for 40 days, right? Didn't eat and came out in himself weak. But look at this. Look at, look at Luke 4, 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So he comes out weak in his own flesh because he hasn't eaten and he's got no nutrients and he's been in a spiritual battle and he's like you and me, exhausted like any of us would be. But he's strong in the power of the Spirit. Then it says this, and news spread about him through the whole countryside. Why? Because there's nobody else like Jesus. Everybody said there's nobody else like Jesus. There's nobody else like him. And so news is spreading about this unique Jesus. You know, news doesn't spread about something or somebody that's not unique. Front page of tomorrow's paper is not going to say, Al from Hopog sat on his couch watching Netflix all week. He dropped some crumbs on his chest and some fun dip powder while he was watching the show. Like, that's not going to make front page because that's ordinary. The word about Jesus is spreading because there's nobody like him. It goes on in verse 15. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. They're seeing something in Jesus that is unique. Something sets him apart. Verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So he went along with the other Jews of his day, to his synagogue on the Sabbath day. And this was something Jesus did. It goes on, and this is important. It says, he stood up to read. I want you to learn something new. Maybe you never heard this before. On the synagogue, I'm sorry, in the synagogue on the Sabbath, there were seven readers, okay? And you'd have a priest and a Levite. I know it sounds like I'm starting a joke. A priest and a Levite walking to a bar. And <laughs> a priest and a Levite. And five members of that synagogue would take the scriptures and they would read. Now, this is a unique setting. Jesus, who we've heard preach before, we've seen him teach, you know, the crowds and do miracles. We haven't seen him take the physical word of God, open it up and read it. Because that's something you only did in your home synagogue. Jesus is handed some Old Testament scripture. And in the Old Testament scripture are prophecies about the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would come to rescue. And look at what happens in verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. He's looking for something. He is not just, like I said a few weeks ago, playing Bible bingo and opening it up to whatever it happens to open up to. No, he's looking for a certain passage of scripture because he wants to say something specific. It says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Everybody say good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Say freedom for the prisoners and recovery of, of sight for the blind. Say recovery of sight 
to set the oppressed free, to proclaim, uh, excuse me, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Everyone is like, why that scripture? What was he after? What, what's he looking for? Why didn't he just read something predetermined? What does this mean? No one's fallen asleep here. Nobody's tuned out in the synagogue this day. You know, church can be boring sometimes. I'm sure I've put a half of you to sleep on one given Sunday at any given time. So you guys even apologize sometimes. I'm sorry, man. I worked an all-nighter. I'm like, bro, if I can help you get a little peaceful sleep in the Lord's presence, go for it, all right? We'll catch the podcast later, buddy. You've worked a hard shift, all right? That's not permission. Don't fall asleep on me. No, uh, but men, you know, there are times when people zone out in church, they, they, they lose their attention. That is not what's going on here. When I was in college, I had to go to chapel every single day, Monday through Friday. There were speakers, and some of them were awesome. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, you're taking all these notes, and it was life-changing. And some of them were horrible, and, and you'd be falling asleep. And one day, one of the professors, who all the professors sat up in the balcony, all the students sat down on the main floor, one of the professors fell asleep during the sermon because it was that boring. And one of his fellow professors sitting next to him wanted to play a little joke on him. So in the middle of the person's message, he nudged my professor and said, they asked you to close in prayer. So he stands up and he goes, dear Lord, thank you so much. And we're all like, what is going on back there? But I'm telling you right now, this day, when Jesus opened that scroll and read these words, everyone stopped and paid attention. Why? Because there's no one else like Jesus. There's something they saw in him they'd never seen before. There was a power they'd never sensed before. There was an authority and a truth and a depth they'd never experienced before. And it was customary for those who read to stand to read and then sit to expound or teach on what they read. And so Jesus says this, verse 21, he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What is he saying? Okay, you remember I talked about the recovery of sight for the blind and setting the, the oppressed free and, and releasing the poor and bringing healing. And like, that's me He's saying, I am, the, I am the Messiah. I am the one that these verses were written about. I was looking for those verses specifically because they're me. And there's no one else like me. These verses weren't written about anybody else. Spirituality is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Religion's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And so he's saying, come, look, Sit, listen, hear, you've been waiting for me. Goes on, verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They're like blown away because there's nobody else like Jesus. Now, the story takes a little turn here, okay? Jesus says some things they didn't love and suddenly they want to kill him. Now, Jesus, isn't it amazing how a mob can turn, right? Jesus was obviously aware that his day would come to give his life. But he knew the time hadn't come yet. And I love this. It says in verse 29, they got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked through the crowd and went on his way. I was talking with somebody about these verses this week, and they brought them up, and they didn't have, they'd had no clue I'd be talking about them this week. But, but they were like, man, I would so love to see the videotape on that. I'd love to see what it was like. How did Jesus do this? Did, did he, you know, talk his way out of it? I mean, what, it seems like he just literally just walked. Was it like straight up like they all froze? They got stuck? Like what happened? Jesus walked through the crowd. No one else liked him. Verse 31. Then he went down 
to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. Listen to this. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. They're saying, he's saying stuff, and they're sitting there going, what is this teaching? I, I'm not familiar with words that would land in such a way that would bring conviction and truth and, and opening of eyes, and there was a weight to it. Verse 33. In his synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. Think about these words. Don't miss this. This is a demon crying out to Jesus. Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Listen, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Can we talk about that for a minute? You want to talk about Jesus being unique? And can we just recognize that there is a spiritual battle going on all around us? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, that might sound really weird. Like there's a battle going on that I can't see. Okay, let me just say this. Have we not seen enough evil in the last two years to maybe think that there's something going on more than just some people doing some bad things to other people, right? And so there's a spiritual battle going on. But what I love about this is what the demon says. What does it say? He says, have you come to destroy us. He didn't say, have you come to fight me? Have you come to battle me? Are we going to wrestle Jesus? Like, what's, what's going on? No, why didn't he use those words? Why did he say, have you come to destroy us? Because he knows that if there's going to be a fight, he's got no shot at winning it. He doesn't say, did you come to fight Jesus? Because if you say that, you think you got a shot. You can maybe throw, land at least a punch. He knows that if Jesus was coming to deal with him, it was to destroy him. And I just want to remind you and I who wins. I want to remind you and I who Jesus is, his authority, his power, and what he's done. I want to remind you and I that the scriptures say that though the enemy would bruise his heel, Jesus would crush his head. And so there's great power and authority in Jesus. Are you seeing there's nobody else like Jesus? Let's go on. Verse 35. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them, and they all came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to, to each other, What words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. They're like, We've never seen this before. Jesus just sent a demonic spirit out of a person. That is such power. And then it goes on. And the news about him spread through the surrounding area. Why? Because there's nobody else like Jesus. Why do we do what we do? Because there's nobody else like Jesus. Why do we program the way we do? Why do we promote the name of Jesus? Why do we worship the name of Jesus? Why do we want you to know Jesus? Why do we want your life centered around Jesus? Because there's nobody else like him. There's no one else that offers what he offers. And that's not the end of it. I want you to imagine that this Jesus, who had authority and power who did miracles, who read this scripture about himself. I want you to imagine now, if we fast forward a little bit, that same Jesus is hanging on a cross in our place, right? Now, this is huge, because Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us are in trouble. Every person that you walk past today and go to school with this week and go to work with and live next to and drive past on the highway, especially on the highway, it seems like people are especially sinful out there, but wherever you go this week, the people that you walk next to are falling just like you and me. We've all fallen short. 
the Pope, Billy Graham, me, you, your favorite person who ever lived, the person who could do no wrong, the person your parents think is perfect, your older brother or sister, younger brother or sister. Oh, they're perfect. No, that person has fallen short. And listen to this. It gets worse. It says in Romans 6.23, the payment for sin is death. Now think about that. A lot of us know this verse. But have you really thought about this concept? Everybody just look up at me real quick. If somebody next to you is sleeping, even though I gave them permission to sleep, just give them a little nudge like my buddy in the college. Just don't tell them to close in prayer, right? The payment for sin is death. See, some of you guys are like, oh, Doug can actually see from the stage. I got to stay awake a little more. The payment for sin is death. What does that mean? That means you and I have no currency except to die because of the sin in our life. Like you have no currency to get yourself out of this situation. The only thing you and I can offer in response to the sin in our lives is to die. You have no currency to bail yourself out. Years ago, we did a carnival at the church. And I was tasked with the job of borrowing a French truck, driving out to pick up like an ice cream machine or something like that. I get out there, we get the thing in the truck, and I go to pay, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't use a credit card. It's, it's cash or check only. And I was like, oh, great. So I jump in my car, I drive home, I jump in my French truck, I drive home, I grab the checkbook, run back, and this is not close, it was far. I drive back, I open up the checkbook to write the check, and there's no checks in it. It was just the cardboard thing that holds the checks, mocking me. It was laughing, pointing. And I looked at the lady, and she looked like so sad for me. And I was like, ah, this is going to be all right. She's going to work. This. She's going to charge my card here. She's like, I'm sorry, sir. I need a cash or a check. I had no currency to pay for what was owed. You have no currency. I'll just be good. I'll work a little bit harder. Or uh, I think even as Christians, we can hear that verse, and we can think, okay, the payment for sin is death. Yeah, yeah, whatever. No, that was all we had to offer was, I guess I die then. That's what you and I add to the equation. If there's no Jesus, if there's no second half of the verse, the payment for sin is death. But God gives us the free gift of life forever in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, there's nobody else like Jesus. And how much you and I need him, how desperate we are for his salvation so, so death still happened. It just wasn't you. The payment for sin is death. It was supposed to be me and you, but Jesus died in our place. I love this quote. Thomas Brooks says this. Our sins are debts that none can pay but Christ. It is not our tears, but his blood. It is not our sighs, but his suffering. They can testify. I'm sorry. That can testify for our sins. I love this last line. You ready? Christ must pay all or we are prisoners forever. But Jesus came to rescue you to rescue me. And so why do we do what we do? Why do we, at any time, any place, want to help all people center their lives around Jesus? What is the heartbeat behind Living Word Church and the mission God has given us? It's this simple truth that the world needs Jesus and there's nobody else like him. So we're going to put all our chips in. We're going to put all our effort into. We're going to do all that we can to get that message of hope out to the world that so badly needs it. Now, here is where the rubber meets the road. Here's where it impacts you. Here's what you can do and what I can do. Okay? First thing, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, we can invite people. We can share our faith. 
Okay, and those are two different things. Inviting people to church and sharing your faith are two different things. Sometimes you'll have an opportunity to say, hey, come to church with me. And sometimes it'll be, oh, I've walked through that too. And man, Jesus was the answer. And some of you guys are thinking of something maybe we talked about a few weeks ago. But Doug, I have known my neighbor for 25 years and they don't even know I go to church. How could I invite them now? I've been on the same schedule with that person at work for 10 years, and they have no clue. I go to school every day, and I have a locker next to so-and-so since third grade, and I've never told them. And Rick Warren coined this great phrase, apology evangelism. It goes like this. I'm so sorry I never share with you the most important thing in my life. I've known you for 20 years. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to share with you now the difference Jesus has made. What a cool thing to do right here and right now. And so we invite and we share our faith. Another thing we do, we love who God brings in. And I brought this up a few weeks ago. We love those who bring in, that God brings in, even if they're so different than we are, the exact opposite of you and me. In every way, we love them. And we hold the crown how high? Okay. But there's a, there's a height. I'm looking for a specific height. I want somebody to remember the quote. 930, got it. How high? Come on, somebody. Thank you. I knew John Metcalf had that. All right. We hold the crown six inches above one another's head so we can grow up into it. So that we can continue to see people grow up in their faith. Now, i got to get bold here, okay? I want to illustrate this this way, okay? Does anybody in the room need an EpiPen? Like, you carry an EpiPen. Okay. So you carry an EpiPen. That means that she has some type of an allergy that's so severe that if she were to eat that, her throat would close up, right? And here's what I want you to think about. Let me just get in your face really kind of hard for a minute, okay? It's in love, I promise. But here's what I want you to think about. So my friend here is coming out of a restaurant, and apparently she's eaten something that she shouldn't have, and her throat is closing. Okay, imagine this with me, all right? And as I'm realizing what's going on, and I'm, I'm walking with, you know, with, with I'm walking with my family or I'm walking, you know, just down the, the street here. Suddenly I see my, my buddy Mark, but I don't know Mark, okay? Mark's a stranger at this point, and Mark comes from another side, and we both get to our friend here at the same moment, and we realize what's happening, and my daughter has an allergy, and so I have an EpiPen. And so Mark and I get there. Hey, what's your name? Oh, Mark. I'm Doug. Nice to meet you. Cool, cool, cool. I, I realize that she needs this help. I pop this thing open. I am ready to administer life to her, to save her life. And all of a sudden, I realize Mark's wearing a political shirt that's different than, me, than maybe what I believe in. And I look at him, and I'm like, oh, you didn't vote for so-and-so. And he goes, oh, yeah, I voted for so-and-so. Don't tell me you voted for the other guy. Yeah, I did vote for the other guy. Well, that probably means this is what you believe about masks, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. But, I, but you believe this about vaccines. And, and our friend is dying. She can't breathe. But all me and Mark can do is fight. And guys, I just think that's a picture of what the church has struggled with over the last two years. At a moment when there are people dying eternally, we're focused on all that we disagree on and divides us. And we carry life. Can you imagine Mark and I doing that to this young lady? And this is what we do to people all the time. And I just want to say, this always takes precedent. It doesn't, okay, okay, you believe strongly about one thing or another, good. good. And I genuinely mean that. It is good to have conviction. 
It is good to have conversation. But listen to me. If we can't hug it out at the end of the day and save her life, who cares what we believe in? This always takes precedence. This is the life. This is the hope. How can I let anything keep me and Mark from saving her life? And I'm telling you, if over the last two years we had gotten this right, we need another five acres up the street to reach all the people that we could have. But we're still in this. We're still in this. It's 2022, and there's still a lot going on. And now it's time to say, okay, we're going to administer life above all. I can stand up for my kid. You can stand up for your kid and what you want them to do with a mask or not. Great. To the degree that I still save somebody's life with the hope of Jesus. This has to be higher than it all. It has to be louder than it all. And so let me just ask you a couple diagnostic questions. Have you shared your faith or your opinion more in the last two years? Have you won more people to Jesus or to your side in the last few years? Have you been a reconciler of people in relationship in the last two years? Have you had healthy relationships with people who believe the opposite of what you believe? Because guys, look, look at me. Everybody look at me, really. I am so convinced what Living Word Church is here to do right now. The world's losing its mind. I am so convinced that we are here to love one another so well that the world has to see Jesus. I'm so convinced that our mission is to love people to Jesus and to hold the crown above their head. But Doug, it's messy. It is messy. Doug, but, but, but what if they believe something the Bible says is wrong? Guess what? At one point, you did too. You might today. I might today. God's growing all of us. I'm just so dead on convinced that right now the world needs the hope so much more than they need our opinion. And so is Jesus loudest in Living Word Church's members' lives? I, I know it's messy, I know that we live in a world where we do have to stand up for some stuff. And again, that's okay as long as at the end of the day, we can hug it out as the people of God. And the world can see louder than anything else that we carry the hope of Jesus. First and foremost, you and I are carriers of life. Not carriers of opinions. but carriers of the hope of Christ. And so I just pray that is, we think about the fact that the whole world needs Jesus and there's nobody like him, that there'd be something in us that just rises up and is able to just squash the rest of it. I'm telling you right now, I, I have a lot of things in my life that God's working on. Please don't think I'm trying to elevate myself in any way. I'm just telling you a decision that I have made. And the decision is this. You can come and tell me any belief you have in the whole wide world and I'm still going to love on you and point you to Jesus. I can't let anything you say or anybody else says cause me to take a step back and say, well, if that's who you are, or if that's what you say, or that's what you believe. No, do, what, what, does that mean I agree? Of course not. But I'm going to love, and it's just a choice. It has to be a choice that we make. You are not going to feel that. There are moments I get boiled, you know, my blood boils because of this, that, or the other thing. 
But there has to be a choice we as Living Word Church make. We are going to be the hope carriers, the life carriers. We're going to raise this thing above all of our differences. And God is so honored in that, man. God is so honored in that. I think he's never more proud than when two people, and I don't even know Mark's political viewpoints, bro. I'm sorry for picking on you. But, but let's say Mark and I were exactly the opposite. I think God is never more honored than when me and Mark can be brothers no matter what. And we could push through it anyway. Same is true for you. And so I want to close a little differently today. And I'm not even, let me, I don't even know. Maybe I'll go off script completely here. Right? I, I, just, I just want you and I to have a few minutes. And I know we started late, so I am going to just say forget the rest of the message and let's do something else. I, I want you and me to have the ability for God's Holy Spirit to like actually do something in us right now. You know, sometimes we just come and we do our thing and then we're out and we got donuts out there and we get the kids. And I just really pray that as we wrap up the series, if we've talked about the, the vision and the mission and what God's doing, that God could do something in this right now. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to forget the rest of my message. If you want to hear the rest of it, you can listen at 9.30. Or I could email, email you the rest of my notes. You're like, Doug, we've heard enough of you today. I don't need nothing else, buddy. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to say, I want us to close our eyes in just a minute, but I do not want you to tune out. I think this is the most important part of the message. We're right now, when we start to pray, okay? I want us to close our eyes, but I want us to stay conscious of what God's doing in it. So close your eyes. If you're a follower of Jesus, there are some things I want to just walk us through. Please don't fall asleep on me right now. Maybe some of us just need to say, Lord, I really repent the way that I've acted. I've made it so much more about my opinion or my conviction than I have your love. Maybe some of us need to say, God, I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt. Maybe somebody in this room wounded you. And you are doing everything you can to come to church on a Sunday and still be in the same room with that person. It is so time to ask God to bring healing. Maybe you're so angry. You're angry because you lost a loved one, or you're angry at God for allowing this, or you're angry at Christians, or, or me, or the church. And it's time to say, Lord, you got to heal me up and get me over this stuff. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything I talked about today. You're just so sad. You're so lonely. You're so fearful or anxious. You're addicted. It is time to approach the Lord right now. It's time to ask him to be doing in your heart what only he can be doing. And so I just want to leave space for that in our service. And so would you go ahead and go to the Lord right now in whatever way you need to. And maybe I didn't touch on it at all. Maybe I, you have something going on. You could care less about all this stuff I'm talking about. You just desperately need the Lord. Would you go ahead and bring it to Him?
Lord, I want to pray over every person in this place and every person watching the stream today. I pray every, every person who will ever hear this prayer. And I just ask that, God, we would meet with you in a real way. God, we so need you, Lord. We so need you, God. You're the answer, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you work today? We long to be close to you. We long for the, the hardness of our heart to be broken up. We long for the pain to be healed. We long to be effective as Living Word Church in this community at this time. God, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, we praise you that you hung on a cross and you paid the only price that could be paid, death. But we thank you that because you're victorious, because you are unique, you rose back from the dead, the victor. We thank you that you destroyed the work of the enemy. We thank you. Now we get to be yours. And oh God, how we long to reflect you well. How we long to be to our community a reflection of your love. Help us. If you're a Christian, you just keep going for it. You keep approaching Jesus. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do some powerful, powerful, powerful things today. Don't miss out on it. Don't play church today. Don't be in the routine. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to think about putting your trust in him today. I believe there's many people right now that need to take that step. So I'd love for you to pray with me now if that's you. You could just pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for destroying every plan the enemy had for my life. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for paying in my place what I couldn't pay for myself. Jesus, show me who you are and help me to show the world who you are. Thank you for this gift of life in your name. Amen. Guys, let's just stand together. And let's worship together. Let's... Let's, let's, let's not sing this last song like it's the exclamation point to the service. Let's sing this last song in response of, of our love toward God and our desire to continue to experience Him together today.